Welcome to CT Church. This message was recorded during our Sunday service. We hope you enjoy this presentation. I actually started writing this sermon about a year and a half ago. This sermon started to kind of be formed. And it, it, uh, I was in a really, in the middle of a really difficult season of my life. And so, since we're in church, let's be honest, I was in the middle of a storm, amen, uh, a pretty big storm. And uh, it was a storm that I had never imagined myself in. You ever have one of those? <laughs> Where you're in the middle of this storm and you think, what in the world is going on here? I never, ever imagined that this would be happening. And so as time went on, uh, the storm was not getting better. Um, the storm was getting worse. And uh, fast forward about 12 months down the road from when it all started into this storm, and I'm reading the book of Jonah as a part of my read through the Bible in a year plan that I was going through. I was uh, at the book of Jonah, so I'm starting to read the book of Jonah, and uh, the Holy Spirit started speaking some really specific things into my life. And so I began to study, I began to read different commentaries, different uh, preachers, and, and different, all kinds of different stuff on the book of Jonah. And uh, I was amazed at what God began to speak into my life. And so this morning, I want to share with you um, what God spoke to me and some of the things that I learned uh, through this season of my life. Would that be okay this morning? Well, good, I'm glad it is because I'm the one up here preaching, amen. And this is what God... <laughs> This is what God told me to preach, and so I'm going to preach it, amen. And so I want to preach this sermon that I've entitled, uh, Calming the Storm, Calming the Storm. Uh, so let's all turn to the book of Jonah. If you have your electronic devices, the book of Jonah, chapter 1. How many of you uh, basically know the story of Jonah? Just about all, uh, if not all of you, are pretty much familiar with the story of Jonah. A lot of people do. Uh, the story of a guy who doesn't do what God wants him to do, right? God puts him in the belly of a big whale. He lights a candle. The whale throws him up on the shore, and he gets to be a real boy for the rest of his life. Oh, wait a second. That's Pinocchio. It's easy to get the two confused because they were in both in a fish, a big fish. But we're not going to talk about Pinocchio this morning. We're going to talk about Jonah. So Jonah chapter 1. Uh, if you would follow along with me, we're going to read this chapter this morning. 17 short verses. The word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of um, Amittai. Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it because its wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed for Tarshish. He went down to Joppa where he found a ship bound for that port. After paying the fare, he went aboard and sailed for Tarshish to flee from the Lord. Then the Lord sent a great wind on the sea, and such a violent storm arose that the ship threatened to break up. All the sailors were afraid, and each cried out to his own God, and they threw the cargo into the sea to lighten the ship. But Jonah had gone below deck, where he lay down and fell into a deep sleep. The captain went to him and said, How can you sleep? Get up and call on your God. Maybe he will take notice of us so that we will not perish." 
When the sailors said to each other, then the sailors said to each other, Come, let us cast lots to find out who is responsible for this calamity. They cast lots, and the lot fell on Jonah. So they asked him, Tell us, who is responsible for making all this trouble for us? What kind of work do you do? Where do you come from? What is your country? From what people are you? He answered, I am a Hebrew, and I worship the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. This terrified them, and they asked, well, what have you done? They knew he was running away from the Lord because he had already told them so. The sea was getting rougher and rougher, so they asked him, what should we do to you to make the sea calm down for us? Pick me up and throw me into the sea, he replied, and it will become calm. I know that it is my fault that this great storm has come upon you. Instead, the men did their best to row back to land, but they could not, for the sea grew even wilder than before. Then they cried out to the Lord, Please, Lord, do not let us die for taking this man's life. Do not hold us accountable for killing an innocent man, for you, Lord, have done as you pleased. Then they took Jonah, and they threw him overboard, and the raging sea grew calm. At this, the men greatly feared the Lord. They offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows to him. Now the Lord provided a huge fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. Lord, we just thank you this morning for the privilege that we have to be in your house, to be in your presence, Lord. God, we thank you for all that you're going to do. God, we ask right now that you would prepare our hearts to be sensitive to your Holy Spirit. God, that you would have your will and your way this morning. God, you know where each and every one is at this morning. God, that you would meet them in that place right now. God, I pray Holy Spirit conviction upon the hearts and the lives of those that would be listening this morning. God, I thank you for the privilege to preach your word. Anoint my lips, Father. God, do all that you want to do. Have your will and your way. In your name, amen. I want to preach a storm, uh, a sermon I've been called Calming the Storm. Calming the Storm. So the storms of life, I'm sure you've figured out by now that none of us are immune to the storms of life. Great revelation. Don't worry, it'll get better. Amen. It's important, though, for us to understand this fact that storms are a part of life. So then the real issue in regards to the storms of life is how do we deal with the storms when they come our way? We're not immune to them. They're going to come our way. So how do we deal with the storms when they come into our lives? Three factors enable us to deal with the storms of life in such a way that they can become calm. And I want to look at those three factors this morning. The first would be the reason for the storm. Before we can experience the calm, we need to figure out what brought this storm on in the first place. Why am I experiencing this storm? Why am I in the middle of this storm? What is the reason behind the storm? Then secondly, how do we react to the storm? There's several ways in which we can react to the storms of life, and they're illustrated here in this first chapter of Jonah, and we're going to look at those this morning. And then the third factor 
is the result of the storm. The result of the storm. Once we've discerned the reason for the storm, we've reacted in a correct way, then something amazing happens. The raging seas, they grow calm. They grow calm. So let's first look at the reason for the storm. In the life of Jonah, it's found in Jonah 1, 11, and 12. The sea was getting rougher and rougher, so they asked him, Jonah, why should we, or what should we do to you to make the sea calm down for us? Pick me up and throw me into the sea, he replied. It will become calm. I know that it is my fault that this great storm has come upon you. So in every storm of life, it's important to get to the root, to the cause of it, the reason for it. Why is this storm happening? But yet many of us are more concerned with the cure than we are with the cause. We're more concerned with the cure than we are with the cause. And the reason we cannot find the cure is that we haven't discovered the cause. Isn't it something that when the storms of life come, we never want to deal with the reasons for the storm. We just want the cure. We want the storm to go away. God, why is this happening? Why is this going on in my life? Just, I want, I want it to go away. What is the cure? Instead of asking, Lord, why am I in the middle of this storm? What is the reason? What is the purpose for this storm in my life? In calming the storms, the place for us to begin is what is the reason for the storm? Well, first of all, some storms of life are inevitable. Some are just going to happen. In Matthew 5, 45, Jesus says that God sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. Right? Some things come our way simply because we are fallen men and women living in a fallen world. The storms of life are inevitable. They just happen. It's part of life. Some storms, they come as a result of other people's actions. And we're going to look at that a little bit more later. Other storms, they come our way for testing. This was certainly the reason for Job's storm, right? It wasn't anything that Job did. It wasn't anything that anybody else around him did. This was simply a test. And so it's not unusual for us as Christians, as believers, to find ourselves in a storm of testing, to test our faith, to prove our faith. Another reason for storms in our lives are for discipline. Now, this would be the case for Jonah, right? A storm was raging because why? He rebelled against the will of God. God told him, I want you to go to Nineveh and I want you to preach. And Jonah said, nah, I'm going the other way. God asked him to do something very specific and Jonah ran. And so this storm in Jonah's life was for discipline. Now, the word of God will come to you and you will hear specifically from God. Do you believe that God speaks to his people? I do too. God has a specific purpose. God has a specific plan for each and every one of us. And he will, as we seek him, he will give us guidance and direction. He will speak to us what he wants us to do. And so God will say, this is what you should do. 
And all too often, in our minds, we may say, okay, God, I understand that's what you want me to do, but I don't really want to do that. God, I know you're speaking to me. I know what you've said, but you know what? No, I don't want to do that. And I think we can all relate to this in different ways. Maybe someone has wronged you. They've hurt you. Or maybe they've hurt someone that you love. And God's word for you would be, forgive them. To forgive as you have been forgiven. Oh, but wait a second. You don't understand, Lord. You don't understand what they did. No, I don't want to forgive. No, I don't want to let it go. Maybe God has been speaking to you about honoring him with your tithes and your offerings. Maybe you have not stepped out in faith and said, Lord, I'm going to take you at your word and I'm going to honor you with my tithes and offerings besides. Maybe that's you. Maybe the Holy Spirit has spoken to you about that and you've said, no, not now. Maybe a little later, once I've paid off some debt, once I've got a little extra, then I'll possibly do it. But not right now, God, no. Not right now. It's very possible that you've been feeling the nudge of the Holy Spirit to get more involved, to get more involved in a particular ministry, to use the talent that he's given you for his glory, for his honor. Each and every one of us have talents and abilities. God has, it's not like God said, oh, whoops, oh, I forgot about that guy. No, God has given each and every one of us talents and abilities, and he wants us to use them for his glory, for his honor. And God's been speaking to you. God's been nudging you. Get involved in this ministry. I want you to be doing this for me. And you say, nah, I don't think so. Not right now. Some, like Jonah, maybe God's calling you to be a missionary. Right? Jonah was called to go and preach to another city. Maybe God's calling you to be a missionary. But right now is not a very convenient time. Well, Lord, once the kids are grown up and they're out of the house, or once I finish school, once I do this, once I do that, then, God, I'll go. I will. I promise. I'll do it then. But right now, no, 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 no. I don't want to go right now. Pastor Doug has said this. Delayed obedience is disobedience. See, I pay, I pay attention when Pastor Doug's preaching. His preaching's good, y'all. Delayed obedience, it's still disobedience. Perhaps there's a secret sin in your life that no one knows about. You came to church, you're all dressed up, you're looking good. But you don't know what that person next to you is thinking, is involved in, is dealing with. Some of you, there's possibly a secret sin that has you bound, that no one knows about. God's been dealing with you to stop, to give it over to him, to get some help, to work through it. Right now, the Holy Spirit's convicting hearts. I don't have time to mention 
every sin, every act of disobedience. That's the Holy Spirit's job. And he is faithful to do this this morning. Holy Spirit is convicting. He's speaking to you, but you keep saying, I don't want to give up that sin. It feels good. I like it. I don't care what God says. I'm going to do what I want to do. There is a Jonah inside of all of us. <laughs> there really is a Jonah inside of all of us. There was a reason for the storm that Jonah was experiencing. It wasn't punishment. This storm was not punishment for Jonah. It was to bring him to his senses. It was to bring him to a place of repentance. That's why God sent the storm. It wasn't because God's this mean God up in the sky and he's just looking to punish everybody because you're such evil, wicked people. No. God sends the storm to get our attention. A loving heavenly father was getting the attention of his runaway prophet. So now that we understand the reason for the storm, what's going to be the reaction? Once you've figured out the reason for your storm, what will be your reaction? This was Jonah's, Jonah 1, 12 through 14. He said to them, pick me up, throw me into the sea. Then the sea will become calm for you. For I know that this great tempest is because of me. Nevertheless, the men rode hard to return to land, but they could not. For the sea continued to grow more tempestuous against them. Therefore they cried out to the Lord and said, We pray, O Lord, please do not let us perish for this man's life. Do not charge us with innocent blood. For you, O Lord, have done as it pleased you. Once we discover the reason for the storm, there's several ways that we might react. So I want to take a few minutes right now and look at the sailors in the story. I never thought much about the sailors when I've read the book of Jonah. I mean, what, when you hear the book Jonah and the book of Jonah, what do you think about? Jonah and what? The whale, the big fish, three days, three nights in the belly of the whale. I mean, that's what we think about. But you know what? That's only mentioned a few times in the whole book of Jonah. There's so many other things that are going on. There's a lot going on in the life of the sailors. And this is when God really began to get a hold of my heart. And so I'm going to share with you <laughs> what God has spoken to me. Let's look at the sailors. I can't imagine that they were all too happy to be caught in the middle of this showdown between God and Jonah, right? Yet here they are. That's exactly where they are. They're caught in the middle of this showdown between God and Jonah. How often do we find ourselves in the middle of a massive storm of someone else's making? And now it becomes very much our business. It's a storm of someone else's making. The waves were meant for them, but they blast us. Before we know it, someone else's storm has become one that consumes our lives. In our story, the sailors are given very specific instructions on what to do for the storm to stop. 
throw Jonah overboard. Throw him over. So what do they do? They start rowing. They started rowing. They're throwing cargo off the ship, trying to lighten the load, trying to survive the storm, and they're rowing like madmen. Maybe women were there, I don't know. Nonetheless, they were rowing. They've now placed themselves between God and Jonah. They had instructions, they knew what to do, but they took it on themselves to save Jonah. For some reason, <clears throat> still kind of fresh. <laughs> For some reason, they feel it's their responsibility to save Jonah from the wrath of God. They actually try to fix the situation. Unbelievable, right? Who would do something like that? Haven't we all, even in the middle of someone else's storm, tried to row them to dry land? We try to come up with a different solution other than the one that God already has, the one that God has already spoken. Church, it's time to throw your Jonah overboard. As hard as that is, we have to remove ourselves from the supernatural battle, the spiritual lesson that is going on, that God is doing. Jonah's storm of disobedience does not give us permission to try and be his salvation. Notice that the storm only stopped once the sailors obeyed instructions, which involved throwing Jonah overboard completely out of their control and ability to help anymore. The storm they found themselves in immediately left when they obeyed. You may be asked to throw Jonah overboard. You may be asked to row him to shore. Sometimes God does that. Especially for those of us that are rescuers, this is hard. This is hard. Because you want to save everybody, right? You want to save them. You want to help them. And so you're rowing like a madman, and it's only getting worse. Because that's not what God said. Sometimes he does say that. Sometimes he does say, come alongside them and row. Help them. Whatever the case, our responsibility is to listen and to obey. That's it. Listen and obey. Of course, this is when we're dealing with storms that someone else has caused. But what about the storm that is meant for you and I? How do we react to the storms of life? Are you trying to row harder in your own strength? I would encourage you this morning to let go of the oars and let God have his way 
Otherwise, it's going to get worse. Is it a storm simply because we live in a fallen world? Is the storm you're experiencing right now simply because we live in a fallen world? Like, how about sickness? That's one that I can relate to, and many of you can as well. It's not something of your own doing. It's not something of anyone else's doing. It's just simply a part of life. The unexpected death of a loved one can be a storm in our life. Maybe it's a storm of testing. Is it a storm of testing? My advice would be to submit to God. Learn what he's trying to teach you. Lord, are you testing my faith in this? Some storms are for testing. We got to figure that out. Allow your faith to be strengthened. That's the purpose of the test. If it's a storm of discipline, surrender. Surrender as Jonah did. It's my fault. The storm is here. It's my fault. I'm not going to run anymore. Throw me overboard. He took responsibility and he submitted to God. Human efforts cannot calm the storms of God's judgment on sin. Human efforts cannot do this. Only complete surrender, repentance, obedience will bring that calm. One test of Christian character is not our actions, but our reactions. Isn't that what Jesus taught in the Sermon on the Mount? If someone slaps you on the cheek, turn the other cheek. It's not our action, it's our reaction. This is a test of our Christian character. How will we react when the storms of life come? Lastly, I want to look at the results of the storm. Jonah 1, 15 through 17. So they picked up Jonah, threw him into the sea, and the sea ceased from its raging. Then the men feared the Lord exceedingly, offered a sacrifice to the Lord, and took vows. Now the Lord had prepared a great fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. What a result. The raging sea grew calm. When? It grew calm when Jonah first discovered the reason for the storm was because he was running from God, disobedience. He reacted now, correctly to the storm, after an incorrect reaction, he quits running and he surrenders. And when Jonah was in rebellion against the will of God, the sky was dark, the thunder was rolling, the lightning was flashing, the wind was blistering, the rain was pouring down, the ship was about to be broken apart. But yet the moment Jonah surrendered to God's will for his life, peace came. Catch that? When he surrendered, when you surrender to the will of God for your life, peace will come. Calm will come. 
Peace came when Jonah began obeying the will of God. More was accomplished in one moment in God's will than in hours, days, weeks, months of struggling and running. We can struggle, we can run, we can fight, we can row, row, and row. But more will be accomplished in one minute of surrendering to God's will than all the rowing in the world. The answer is simply in surrender, obedience, and repentance. So what was the result of the storm? For the sailors, the Scripture says that they worshiped the Lord, they offered a sacrifice to Him, and they made vows to Him. When we see the reason for the storms and we react properly to them, we will see similar results. The raging sea will grow calm. We'll acknowledge that God can do as he pleases in our lives. And we will make our lives a living sacrifice to him. What was the result of the storm in the life of Jonah? Well, God saved him. He used a fish to prepare him for revival. Jonah had resigned himself to death, but God, in his great mercy, appointed a fish to preserve his runaway prophet. You know that God can do that? God can do whatever he wants. God did not want to kill Jonah. He wanted to save Jonah. Sometimes we feel like the storm is meant to kill us. Sometimes we feel like we're not going to survive this one. You know, the belly of a great, of, of a great fish is not a wonderful place to live in. I can't imagine it was too good for Jonah in there. Can you imagine what he must have looked like when he was spit up on the land? All the stomach acids and seaweed and whatever other things that the big fish was eating couldn't have looked too good. The belly of a fish, it's not a great place to be. But for those in rebellion, it's the best place. Had it not been for the fish's belly, many of us would not be living for Jesus today, right? We don't learn spiritual lessons very often on the mountaintops. We learn them in the valleys. We learn them in the valleys. Jonah was saving his life by losing it. Previously, God had commanded him to go to Nineveh, and Jonah said, no. He grabbed tighter to life. No. God said, go, and Jonah said, no. He clutched his life all the tighter, and in possessing his life, he lost it. He lost joy. He lost freedom, happiness, purpose. He lost his high calling, and he found himself in the midst of a storm. I mean, no, Jonah's not different from us. So many people today are clutching 
their own lives, desperately grasping, hanging on, not willing to let go and let God have his way. See, the tragedy is that in holding our lives so tightly, we lose them. I I think there's a scripture or something about that. (laughs) Mark 8, 35, for whoever wants to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for me and for the gospel will save it. Do you see it? Jonah let go of his life. He said, throw me overboard. And when he let go of his life, he found it. When the storm comes, many times we grit our teeth. We throw out a little cargo. We row a little harder. And the harder we work in clutching, holding on to our lives, the worse the storm becomes. And the more of our joy and our purpose and peace we lose. This morning, I challenge you, lose your life in him and you will find it. And you will find it. In the story of Jonah, the raging seas grew calm. Those who were lost were saved. Those out of the will of God were recovered. Oh, that the result of the storms this morning would result in a restored, closer relationship with Jesus. You have been listening to CT Church in San Antonio, Texas. This recording was presented in the context of our Sunday service. For more information, please visit us at ctagsa.com, connect with us on Facebook, or call us at 210-657-3578.